Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. How are you doing? This, as you've just heard, is the Feast of St. Mary Magdalene. What a magnificent woman, and what a magnificent conversion. Um, uh, I've, na- I've, I've met some religious sisters in one of our own uh, postulants who have wanted to be called a Sister Mary Magdalene because God is a God of grace who transforms lives and, oh, I would say it was in 2013 <clears throat> that I was able to go to France with my little posse here, and we went to um, on a nine-day pilgrimage through France before we entered a French immersion school for a solid month in preparation for entering a Bene- um, Benedictine uh, convent in France, uh, in which we stayed for six months. So um, we we went to the south of France, St. Baum, St. Maximum, and um, we were with Father Sean Davison, who planned the whole trip for us. And um, uh, Father Sean is uh, just an amazing man, and he was um, the pastor of the Basilica of St. Mary Magdalene, which has her relics and he took us one afternoon to up a mountain. Uh, just uh, he took us outside one day, and there was a mountain. And he said, "You see that little thing, the speck on the top of the mountain?" And we said, uh, "Yes." And he said, "That's where Mary Magdalene lived for the last thirty years of her life, in penance for her life." And we went up there. We drove as far as we could drive to a little parking space. Um, maybe two-thirds of the way up, and we, we walked the rest of the way to the top. I'm afraid of heights, but it, 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 I guess God makes all things possible. And at the top is the cave where she lived, and uh, where she, the angels, says tradition, fed her the Eucharist. Um, and the Dominicans now have charge of that. We, we went inside that cave, the Dominicans have built an altar there. They celebrate Mass. Um, they care for the entire place. It's, it just was a, a magnificent experience for me. And I learned about Mary Magdalene, what I never knew in my 18 Protestant years. That's for sure. Um, I, I never fully realized who she was. We had a, a bunch of Marys in Scripture, not realizing that Mary Magdalene and Mary of Bethany are the same uh, the woman who washed uh, Jesus' feet is the same, the same Mary Magdalene. Now, not everybody agrees with that. It's not infallible church teaching, but but there is uh, plenty of evidence for it. And I was astounded, and that Mary Magdalene is the sister of Martha and Lazarus, and they to escape Jerusalem, to escape the persecution, came by boat to France. Uh, and you know, France is called um, the church's eldest daughter, and Mary Magdalene came and evangelized. It's an amazing story. 
Sounds like a fairy tale, doesn't it? Um, I'm going to read you a little piece that I printed out from catholicculture.org. If you want a good, faithful, clear, and a concise website, uh, catholicculture.org has so much in it for the entire liturgical year, for news, for culture, for everything. And on their liturgical calendar, they have the theme for every month, and then they have each day... Um, the saint of each day for both the new mass and the old mass, the um, Novus Ordo. It's not, it should be a new order of mass. There should be no such thing as a new mass, new order of mass and the uh, extraordinary form every single day. And often uh, they are one. They come together for major feasts. And for us, St. Mary Magdalene is a third class feast. And so I'm going to read you, uh, what I printed out this morning from catholicculture.org. Um, they are a wonderful site for you to keep on hand, to look up many, many things, to know where we are in the entire liturgical year in both forms. So uh, really, I think just catholicculture.org. And today's reading for Mary Magdalene says that Mary Magdalene wasted the great beauty that God had given her in a life of sin. But one day she saw Christ and was touched by grace. On the day of our Lord's crucifixion, she stood with the mother of Jesus at the foot of the cross. At early dawn, on the first Easter morning, Mary Magdalene and other women who had ministered to Jesus went to the Lord's sepulcher. Two angels said to them, He is not here, but he is risen. Go tell his disciples. Mary Magdalene ran to tell the apostles what she had uh, seen and heard. And then Peter and John, hastening to the sepulcher, saw and believed. They didn't believe Mary Magdalene's words. They had to see for themselves, and they believed. And the um, the uh, entry today uh, at catholicculture.org uh, goes on to say this. Um, the Feast of St. Mary Magdalene is considered one of the most mystical of feasts. In fact, St. Catherine Emmerich, um, Emmerich, beloved, wrote um, an entire book on her. Um, the Feast of St. Mary Magdalene is considered one of the most mystical feasts, and it is said that of all the songs of the saints, that of Mary Magdalene is the sweetest and strongest because her love was so great. That love was praised by Jesus himself, who said that because much was forgiven her, she loved much. You see? Um, She loved much. He who is forgiven much loves much. Um, If you don't love much, beloved, it's probably because either you have not been forgiven much or you have no idea what you've been forgiven and you're not grateful for it. I cannot get over that God set his love on me. I can't, I'll never get over it. I've said often, it is not the unbelief of people that um, amazes me. It's my belief that amazes me. 
it'll always amaze me. I didn't do anything to earn it. I don't deserve it. Nobody does. Um, it, 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 God just did it and changed my life forever. And that's what happened with Mary Magdalene. And that's what happened with many of you. I know that. And how do you ever forget it? And Peter says when things get tough or rough or all how you're persecuted or you're down and out, whatever it is, don't, he says, don't grow short-sighted. Don't forget from where God has brought you. And so this article in Catholic Culture uh, uh, website says, where she is buried, Mary Magdalene, where she is buried, no one knows. Legend has her dying in Provence, France, in a cavern where she spent her last days. That's the cavern where I was on the top of the mountain. Um, And her body resting in the chapel of St. Maximum in the Maritime Alps. And that's, uh, again, where I was when I, in 2013. Another has her buried in Ephesus, where she went with St. John after the resurrection. This latter view is more likely, it says. And St. Willibald, the English pilgrim to the Holy Land in the 8th century, was shown her tomb there. So, you know, evidence for so many things, tradition for so many things, and Ultimately, we may or may not know, um, but we treasure all these things that God has given us. The true identification of St. Mary Magdalene um, is not quite clear. The Greek fathers, and this is a statement uh, from the Dictionary of the Bible by Scott Hahn, published by Doubleday. The true identification of St. Mary Magdalene is not quite clear. The Greek fathers gave her a separate identity than Mary of Bethany, sister of Martha and Lazarus. But most Latin fathers say she is the same Mary. Tradition often identifies Mary Magdalene, and this is uh, separate now from that article above. Tradition often identifies Mary Magdalene either um, with the sinful woman who anointed Christ's feet in the Gospel of Luke, or with Mary of Bethany, the sister of Lazarus and Martha, mentioned in Luke chapter 10 and John chapters 11 and 12, the chapters on the resurrection. By the 6th century AD, figures such as Gregory the Great had begun to advance the notion that these two women, these two women mentioned in Scripture, were one and the same person. Mary Magdalene, who hailed from Bethany and who had become a disciple of Jesus after leading a notoriously sinful life. This tradition explains why Mary Magdalene was revered for centuries as the model penitent. From a biblical standpoint, it is not impossible that Mary Magdalene could be identified with either one or both of these two women, but decisive evidence is lacking, and so it must remain uncertain. The uh, the, the priest, Father uh, Sean Davidson, who has done an enormous amount of work, who again was the pastor of the Basilica of St. Mary Magdalene and, um, and responsible for the keeping of her relics, and took us up to that cave, um, 
He's also written a book on St. Mary Magdalene. I, I, I'd have to look it up to give you the title exactly, but it's uh, on St. Mary Magdalene, and the priest's name is Father Sean Davison, and I think he would have written in within the last year or two. And he's done an enormous, enormous amount of research. He's also on YouTube, by the way. If you look up St. Uh, Mary Magdalene and Father Sean, S-E-A-N, Davison, I think it's Davidson, um, son of David, Davidson, um, you will be able to see his, his talk on her. And the article from Catholic Culture goes on to say, she was the first recorded witness to the resurrection of Jesus, his most ardent and loving follower. She had stood with Mary at the foot of the cross on that brutal Good Friday afternoon and had been by the side of Mary during these difficult hours. On Easter morning, she went with the other women to the tomb, and it was there, in the garden near the tomb, that Jesus appeared to her. It was she who brought the news of the resurrection to the apostles, and Peter and John raced to the tomb to see what had happened. She was from Magdala, a small fishing town on the Sea of Galilee, between Capernaum and Tiberias. She was known to be a great sinner, a woman of the streets, who heard Jesus speak of the mercy and forgiveness of God and changed her life completely. Her matter-of-fact witness to the resurrection moved Peter and John to go and see for themselves. I have seen the Lord and these things he said to me. Jesus had chosen her to bring the news to them, and she simply told them what had happened. She She has always been the example of great love and great forgiveness. One of those close to Jesus who grasped the truth of God's love for human beings, and spent her life bearing witness to that love. And what I just read from catholicculture.org was excerpted from the one-year book of saints by Reverend Clifford Stevens. The one-year book of saints by Reverend Clifford Stevens. And the article on um, Catholic culture ends as it does every day with naming um, the, the, the items, um, the people, uh, the, um, the ministries, whatever it may be that each saint is patron of. And in the case of Mary Magdalene, she is patron of apothecaries. <laughs> um, oh, I don't even know. Let me just see. Um, it's a town in Italy, Casamic. Ciola, Casamiciola, Italy, it sounds like. Uh, contemplative life, contemplatives, converts, druggists, glove makers, hairdressers, hairstylists. This is amazing. Penitent sinners, that we understand. Penitent women, we understand that one. People ridiculed for their piety. You see, that would be, you know, who does she think she is? Now all holy. We know who she is, you see. You see who she, you see that, um, um, I, I tell you, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing when God changes a life and, and people don't 
trusted. They don't believe. We knew who he was. We knew who she was. And we don't really, we, we persecute people uh, for their changed lives. We, they don't want to, we don't want to believe it. We want to make them pay for what they were before. It's an awful thing. She is the patron of people ridiculed for their piety. She is um, the patron of um, perfumeries, perfumers, pharmacists, reformed prostitutes, um, sexual temptation, tanners and women. I tell you what, um, I was a jail chaplain, women's jail chaplain, for 10 years in my Protestant years. And there's no woman more loving and giving on the earth than a reformed prostitute. So many in there were prostitutes because they needed to get money for, um, to pay for their drugs. Um, one little girl was put out in the street when she was 11 years old to prostitute to pay for her mother's drug habit. And when I met her, she was in jail, 24 years old, and she was one, her whole body was one walking bruise. She had been mistreated and uh, beaten so many times. And while I was in there through a series of events and a, a, a Protestant minister who came to preach, she gave her life to Jesus, a Protestant style. She asked Jesus into her heart. She's a completely changed young lady just changed. And every morning I'd come in and she'd have another uh, woman from the jail, prostitute or whatever her background was, sitting by the floor in my office waiting for me to come in. Chaplain Moss, they would call me. Chaplain, um, can you tell her what you told me, what he told us, and all of that. It was just so magnificent. So magnificent, beloved. Um, We are going to um, take... Calls. If you're new with us, we take your calls, your texts, your emails uh, after the first break. And then we have an entire half hour all to ourselves to talk, answer questions, explore life. Um, And until then, I thought I would do something very new and very special. I'm going to show you something. St. Francis de Sales. Now, we're Benedictines, so we love St. Benedict. But I need to confess that St. Francis de Sales is my spiritual director from heaven. He is my favorite saint. I think the greatest pastor that God has ever given the church. He is the gentle saint. He's the saint of love. He's an amazing, amazing saint. He lived in the 17th century. Uh, He died in 1622, so he was born at the end of the 16th century and lived into the 17th. And um, that was just following the Reformation and through his writings um, and the tracts he began to put together, he brought single-handedly, with God's grace, 70,000 Calvinists back into the church. Just amazing. And he has a book called, St. Francis de Sales has a book called Controversies. And most of them, I think, are his tracts. Uh, every different subject. It's, it's one of the greatest apologetics books and put together in that book, Controversies. It's very wonderful. Um, 
So if you're looking for answers to help your friends with, that's uh, a book I would always suggest. He's just tremendous, St. Francis de Sales. And he not only speaks clearly in my mind, but he gives so many beautiful illustrations. Um, And so before I even knew about St. Benedict, I took St. Francis as my patron. And I think Our Lady set that one up. Very special. And someone gave me this book. Um, Someone is a Hebrew Catholic named Larry Feingold. If you want to listen to Larry Feingold's incredible talks on Christ through the whole Old Testament, um, uh, and as our tutor to lead us to the new, um, you can go to HebrewCatholic.org. It's my brother David's website. Hebrew is the Association of Hebrew Catholics, HebrewCatholic.org. And you can listen free to an entire series of talks by uh, Dr. Larry Feingold, who now teaches at the um, the seminary in St. Louis. Uh, the name of it escapes me, but there's only one seminary there. And so he and his wife, um, Larry and Marcia, before I left St. Louis, gave me this book. Um, it's The Spirit of St. Francis, The Spirit of St. Francis. And I want you to see, look, the pages have come out of this thing. I'm trying not to let it go because I won't be able to put them back together. I have read this over and over and over again. And what I would love to do, um, I have to glue it one day. I have to glue this book together. All the pages are out. Um, But I thought in just... uh, along with everything else, I'd read you one or two chapters a day. They're very, very brief and just packed with such beauty and meaning. Um, And the first one is on religious perfection and its practices. That's part one. The book is, I, I don't know how many parts it have. It may just have two parts, but each part has several chapters and every chapter has several points in it. So they're very, it's all broken down. And the first chapter is on uh, perfection generally. And the first point is charity, the essence of all true perfection. You see, we want to get perfect. So we, we're, you know, not particularly disciplined. And we say, okay, I'm going to get up at this time and I'm going to do this and I'm going to make goals and I'm going to keep a schedule. You know how many times I've said that? I always fail. I'm not made for that. I always fail. I fail less now because now I'm a religious and we have to keep the rule. We don't have to, but we want to. And if we want to continue to be a religious and love God and honor him and live our vocation, we need to keep the rule. We need to keep the schedule. So we do that. We do that. But it'd be very hard for me to keep it without all those bells going all day. Because not naturally, I would just work forever and whatever I would do. Um, or I'd think forever. So it's a very good thing to have order. But nothing comes before love. Nothing comes before love. Um, Charity is the essence of all true perfection. I'm going to read you just, uh, see if we can get through this first point. They're all all short. Maybe this one is a page. Some of them are half a page. Um, some of them are a page and a half, some of them of a third of a page. They're very, very short. Okay, let me read you this one. <clears throat> and by the way, 
I keep interrupting what I'm saying. Um, this book was edited by a, a John Reed, a PhD, John Reed Jr., but it was put together by Bishop Jean Camus, C-A-M-U-S. Bishop Jean Camus, Camus French, like Saint-François de Sales, St. Francis de Sales, was the disciple of St. Francis de Sales, both of them bishops. And St. Francis discipled uh, Bishop Francis, discipled Bishop Jean Camus. Now, Bishop Jean Camus could not believe what a saint St. Francis was. He could not believe that this man was real, that his virtue didn't fluctuate. And so he drew, drilled a hole in the ceiling. He went below St. Francis de Sales. He drilled a hole. He wanted to see if this man was real in the privacy of his own chamber. Can you imagine that? Yes, you can. And he he said he spied on St. Francis de Sales. And he was exactly in the silence, in the privacy of his chamber, what he was to the public. If he didn't waste a moment aside, uh, in, in public life, uh, he didn't waste it in his chamber. If the bell rang, he would answer it. If he was writing a sentence and someone called him, he put the pen down in the middle of a word. He prayed, a holy, holy man who lived what he was all the time. Such an example for us. Well, I guess I'm going to start this little book for you tomorrow. Um, Call in, beloved, with anything on your heart at all. It could be anonymous, anything on your heart, toll-free or text 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in excerpts from A Prayer by St. Bonaventure. Pierce, O most sweet Lord Jesus, my inmost soul, with the most joyous and healthful wound of your love, and with true, calm, and most holy apostolic charity, that my soul may ever languish and melt with entire love and longing for you, may yearn for you and for your courts, may long to be dissolved and to be with you. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. 
At iCatholic Radio, we're blessed to bring you the good news of Jesus Christ through the latest of technology. But don't rely on just one of your mobile devices for listening to iCatholic Radio. Download our free app to all of your Android and Apple mobile devices, ensuring you never miss a show. That's iCatholic Radio. Great Catholic programming available for download through the Google Play and iTunes stores. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. Good to be with you on Martha Miriam Live. Such a wonderful situation that the Station of the Cross and LifeSite News have brought it together. I'm so thrilled for it. Um, and again, those of you who are simply li- listening on Station of the Cross, God bless you. Nothing has changed except the name of the program, From Heart to Heart with Mother Miriam to Mother Miriam Live. And those of you who um, are not able to listen or watch the live stream during the time of the program, you know, uh, I think, well, before, before live site news and before the live streaming, you could always go to the Station of the Cross and, and get the podcast, always. You still can. You can go to Station of the Cross's Facebook page and watch live streaming. You can go to live site news Facebook page or their main site, live site news, and hear it or go to the Facebook page and uh, see live streaming. They've set up Mother Miriam Live Facebook page. I said, don't do that. I can't take care of it. They said, don't worry. We'll take care of it. So it's Mother Miriam Live and on YouTube. So, so many options this technical world has given us. It amazes me. I've never gotten into learning all about it, but just a little bit now. So um, I give God thanks for how he brings his body together with all different skills. So again, call in. We've got a half hour all to ourselves, toll free with anything on your heart, with your name or anonymous. It's not an issue. Uh, the mat- the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. I always say that. Uh, so the toll free number is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. And again, you can text um, at uh, at the same toll free number. Okay, Um, we have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, God bless you, Mother, I need your advice. I discovered my husband watching pornography. He's been watching it for months. What should I do? I've talked with him in the past, and I told him I was very offended by this and that it was causing problems in our marriage. He said he would stop, but it was not true. Um... How should I handle this? Thank you, Mother. Well, let me suggest to you, dear one, that he probably intended to stop. Uh, I don't think his statement was false. I think his ability to stop was harder than he could have imagined because it becomes an addiction and a sickness of a sort. Uh, it, it Sexual um, uh, behavior outside of what is normal outside of God's design, 
is uh, enormously we're, we're we're meeting woundedness needs that are um, distorted, and it's very very difficult for us to conquer by ourselves. Very very difficult. I'll just tell you this story. Um, there was a man once that came to our priory door, and I opened the door, and the young man there in his twenties. And I'd never met him before. He heard me on the radio, and so he came. And we were in the same town. And um, I was in St. Louis at the time. And he came to the door, and I opened the door, and he was in tears. And he looked at me, and he said, he didn't say hello. I don't think we had any conversation. I don't recall. It's been It's been a few years. He looked at me, and he said, I've just destroyed my marriage. And I said, come on in. And we went into a room, and the big living room we had, and I closed the door so there could be privacy. We talked for a long time. man that's married, young, couple of children, and he became addicted to pornography, and his wife also found out, and all of that. And she would have nothing to do with him, by the way. She would not have relations with him at that point. And um, uh, he knew she would leave him. Um, and he was utterly devastated. He loved his wife and his children, and he couldn't believe that he had given in to that addiction and that he was the one who would have destroyed their life, their marriage, their hopes, everything. He was devastated. We talked for quite a while, and then I suggested he go to a a very good priest, uh, and he did, and that priest spent a lot of time with him, and he had some good counseling, and um, he's restored, and that family is restored. His wife was angry, not willing to talk, not sympathetic, just completely angry, and um, and he he there was no reasoning with her, but he was restored. And I didn't know how it was going. He hadn't been in touch for a while. But one day I came home and there was a big bouquet, huge bouquet of flowers at the front door. And they were from him. Just a little thank you note. And his life was restored. And I have goosebumps telling you this story because I want you to know there's always help. And I want wives to know, and this one, dear one, who's writing me this email... You can tell him it offends you, but you see, and you can be angry, and you can cry, and you can be upset, and you have every reason. But what you're doing is putting more on him. And that's, he's going to go back to that. He's not going to be able to, because it's an escape for him. It's an escape. When we're wounded, we have ways of escaping. Uh, to some people, it could be pornography. To other people, it's food. To other people, it's going to the store and spending money you don't have to spend. Whatever it is, there's a way we have of of escaping. And so it's not a problem that you would tell them those things because they're true. But the way for for the way you should handle this is by handling yourself. I know this is hard. You need to, to, if your husband came to you or you found out that he had cancer, 
um, it it would be, let's just say he's not dying, it, but it's manageable. He might have it the rest of his life, but it's manageable. But he needs to have certain treatments, take certain medicine, and he might be over it in, in a few years. Um, but what are you going to do with that? You're going to tell him that you're offended? Of course not. That is a very ridiculous comparison. The point is, it's a sickness. You have to believe that. And what he needs is your love and your support because you made a vow till death do you part. And you need to keep that vow. And you need to say, sweetheart, two things you need to say to him. And I'll tell you what those two things are to deal with this in my own thoughts here. As soon as we come back from the break, sorry for that, but there's our music, beloved. So anyone, feel free to call in during the break, uh, toll free or text at one 511 5483 or email at mother at We'll be right back. St. Vincent de Paul said, Charity is certainly greater than any rule. Moreover, all rules must lead to charity. How can we show lasting charity to our neighbors? By leaving a bequest in your will to the Station of the Cross, you're providing a great opportunity for hearts to come to know our Lord. If you've worked hard and have been blessed financially, consider leaving a bequest to the Station of the Cross. Please speak with your financial advisor or lawyer for more information. We also welcome you to contact us about a bequest so that we can help Catholic Radio continue spreading the love of God throughout our world. Call 1-877-888-6279. That's 1-877-888-6279. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Users of iCatholic Radio are raving about our app in the iTunes and Google Play stores. One user says, It's exactly what I was looking for since having a closer walk with my Lord and my God. Great app for the living Catholic. Praise God. Nancy says, This is the best app. I have become a regular listener to it. I use it every day. I also play it all night long while we sleep. Get this app and use it. It will change your life for the better. Another user recommends iCatholic Radio, saying, So sweet a sound. This has allowed me to listen to Catholic Radio when I travel. What an awesome learning tool. Thank you. If you haven't reviewed iCatholic Radio yet, what are you waiting for? Visit your iTunes or Google Play store today. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. 
I'm um, thrilled to be here, and we have, oh, a good 15-plus minutes to ourselves, so please feel free to call in with anything on your heart. Again, one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have been uh, uh, speaking about an email that was sent in from um, a wife who wrote in anonymously that her husband, uh, she's caught her husband um, uh, uh, watching pornography, and she's spoken to him about it. She's told him how offended she was, uh, but it's causing problems in their marriage. He said he would stop, but he has not. And she said, but it was not true. Uh, how should I handle this? Well, again, it, it was true. You know, how many times if we're addicted to something, people say, I'm going to go on a diet as of Monday, as of my birthday, as of the new year. Why do they keep saying that? Because they keep failing. Do they mean it every time? They mean it every time. Believe your husband that he meets it. But you have to understand it's it's a disease. It's an addiction. And it's one of the most difficult addictions to break. And your your husband needs a good therapist. He needs a good um, psychologist. Um, a good holy priest would be wonderful because that priest should tell him that he's living in a, in a sense, perpetual state of adultery. Our Lord says, if you even look on a woman to lust for her, you've committed adultery in your heart. And so when we watch porn- pornography, um, that's what's happening. We are committing adultery. And so, and if we're not married, we're committing fornication. We can't do that, you see, in our hearts, in our hearts. So um, he's living in a, in a state of of grave sin, and he should not be receiving the Eucharist apart from going to confession. So a good holy priest can at least lead him that way, and if he goes to confession before uh, he receives the Eucharist every Sunday, that's 100% fine. He can and should receive the Holy Eucharist. Um, The thing I'm going to suggest for you, dear one, is that I know this is hard. I, I won't minimize the effect it has on you. I won't. But this is not about you. It's not against you. It's a, um, it's a truly uh, a sickness, uh, an addiction. If, if you, one has to have had an addiction to understand how powerful they are. And you know, when I've spoken with priests who have uh, helped men who are involved in pornography, married men, and it's a, it's a torture for them. They don't want to lose their wife. They don't want to lose their family. But they just can't stay away from me. Even if they say they're going to, you know, they're gone for three months, they're okay, and then they give in again, and they're devastated. And one priest said to me, I was speaking with him at a conference, and he said, uh, and I say, Father, what do you tell them? And he says, tell them to not give up, to never, ever, ever, ever give up. Nothing's hopeless. Don't let the fact that your flesh, the devil, anybody else, anything else drew you back into that sin. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Discouragement is the devil's tool. And I would suggest to you, dear one, that if you speak to your husband that way and you say, honey, I trust you when you say you want to stop. um, It's got to be a suffering for you too, sweetheart. 
And so, um, uh, but you need to know, honey, that if you are in that, you really are in a state of, as Jesus said, uh, having a heart of adultery. If not in in real life, you're you're doing that in your heart. You, you should go to confession before you receive the Eucharist. We you, you should find a good holy priest as your director, but. In this case, a good, holy psycholog- psychologist uh, counselor uh, would would be um, would be the way to go as well. Someone that you can talk to, because often um, we want to stop and we can't. Sometimes we have to get at the root of our need, <clears throat> and sometimes you know a good professional can help us to do that. And so I would say to him, sweetheart. Have you thought of that? Can we ask the priest? Can we look for that? Can I help you to look for someone like that? Um, but I want you to know, honey, I trust you. I love you. We took marriage vows till death do we part. I, 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 I want you to know it doesn't offend me. I'm hurt by it because I, I can't control that, being hurt. Uh, I'm not offended because you're, you're, you're not doing it to hurt me. But... But I, I'm hurt by it because uh, there are other women in your life, you know, um, or hopefully it's women and not men. I, You know, there's all kinds of situations, um, and I want to be enough for you. Every wife wants to be enough for her husband. Um, but I want to help you, sweetheart, and I love you, and together we can handle this. That is what your husband needs, and you can help him out of it. Because if you're if if you are angry at him and you're offended and it, uh, all of that, you're going to put him in a isol- It will break up your marriage, and uh, this this problem of his will break up your marriage. It doesn't need to <clears throat> uh, through whatever trials your marriage vows says till death do you part to love and cherish one another. And if he knows you're in this with him together and you trust him and you love him and nothing will separate or break up your marriage, that is going to go an awful long way to help him to heal. That's what I suggest. We have a second email from somebody who writes in anonymously and says, Good morning, Mother. I just finished listening to your podcast from July 16th, which um, the question from which was yesterday. Well, I guess, oh my, this came in. Le- oh, you know what, dear one? There's still a few emails which came in last week when the emails weren't feeding through. And so that's why. Um, so he says, I just finished listening to your podcast. The question from your listener that is struggling with a contracepting wife encouraged me to share with you my experience as my situation is similar. When my wife and I were dating, you know what, beloved, I want you to listen to this email because I read it. Most emails I don't get a chance to read ahead, but this one I read on our last break. I want you to listen to this. This husband says, when my wife and I were dating, we engaged in fornication and cohabitation. At the time, we were simply nominal Catholics and accepted birth control. We were married in the church, but still embraced contraception to meet our wants. Um, and again, I, I pause there uh, to 
to say to priests, you need to help couples in premarital counseling. If they're cohabitating, you should not marry them. If they're contracepting, you should not marry them. They need to spend six months apart, I would say minimum, preparing to be married, living in holiness. They need to know that if they contracept on their marriage night, their marriage is not consummated. They need to understand that, priests, we need you desperately to be who God has ordained you to be. Now, I don't know their situation here, but I know a number of priests who simply will not tell people the truth because they care more about the people thinking them loving than than the souls of these people, or they just don't believe that the souls will be in danger. I don't know what it is, but this is a terrible situation. Okay, he goes on to say, I have been going through a reconversion for about a year now and have never felt a stronger desire for the faith. Due to this, I have rejected contraception. However, out of medical risk, my wife continues to use. I don't want to downplay her condition as it is serious, but to comply with church teaching, I chose to fully abstain from the marital act. Now listen to this, beloved. Listen to this. Listen to this life. To comply with church teaching, to respect his wife because of her medical risks, she continues to use contraceptives, and I'm, I'm guessing in this case it's, it's the pill. And if he didn't choose to refrain, his wife would probably have several abortions without her knowing it because the pill is abortifative. It's an abortifacient. Um, I don't want to downplay her condition, so he said that. She was not accepting of this. Even after I supported my decision with statements from even the earliest popes, I even broke it down in comparison to other animals as it applies to natural law. The act is solely for procreation. Now, very few men and women, even faithful Catholics, believe that that it's solely for procreation. Now, um, it doesn't mean that at every act you'll have a child. It doesn't mean you intend to have a child. That's not the point. You're simply sharing your intimate love for one another, but intimate love must be life-giving love. So um, you're not necessarily planning to have a child. You're not planning anything. You're just open to life. And the procreative act, or rather the The conjugal act that is not open to life is sinful. Okay. He goes on to say, the cross has been hard to bear at times, no doubt. I put the words in no doubt. But I have recently started a small devotion to St. Edward the Confessor, which seems to have helped. I want to offer my prayers to all listeners struggling with a similar situation and want to encourage them to continue fighting for truth. Now, beloved, you see why I wanted you to to listen to this email? This is from a man who's truly coming back to the faith, who truly puts God above all, who truly understands his role as a Catholic man, as a husband uh, under God, 
to not sin, to not take matters into his hands because there are obstacles, and in this case, an enormous obstacle. A young married man and woman not being able to uh, come together in marriage, that is huge. That is huge. And so I'm guessing, he didn't explain more, I don't know if they have children already, but uh, he said for medical reasons, she has to continue to use. Maybe she cannot have a child. I don't know. Maybe having a child would um, be enormously detrimental to her survival. I don't know. Um, Keep in mind, though, I say to this husband, that by the grace of God, in the last year, he's brought you to a deep realization of faith and the treasure that you have. Blessed be God forever. But it doesn't appear yet that he's done that in your wife. And so be very gentle, be very kind with her and love her and don't compromise your faith, but love her and be understanding of where she's at. Now, I'll just mention this. As long there are women who are very irregular and who, and I'm going to say this also to the woman who called in the other day, who uh, is overwhelmed with children and her husband wants to uh, have sex with her every single night. She's nursing her fifth or sixth child. She's had seven children in nine years. She's on the verge of a breakdown, and her husband just needs says, I, de- I want you to deal with it all herself because he's starting up a new business. Well, that's an, it's an awful situation, and I suggested that he... Just stop his business or do it on the side and get a job and be home with his wife and family. He cannot leave that to her. And it sounds, and, he, and she said in that, if he, he feels neglected. Well, that's the emotions of a child, not a husband, not a man. Um, uh, why did I say that? Oh, because I've thought of this. If that woman is listening and can suggest this to her husband, who needs to become a man in, in ways of maturity, abstain for a year. Abstain. This is a thought. It may not work. Abstain from marital relations for a year. And during that year, your wife could be on birth control pills. She cannot be if you are engaging in the sexual act. But if you are not, she could be on birth control pills pills for a year, which will regulate her body in that case. Today's case, I don't know the medical condition or what will, I don't know her situation, and it may need to be permanent. I don't know. But in the first case, with all your, uh, the issues you described, if the pill will regulate you, then you can go off the pill and begin to practice natural family planning because of your condition. Okay, uh, we have to end there, beloved. Love one another as God in Christ has loved and forgiven us.